morning. Come on, let's give God. Isn't he good? God is so good. Man, I am so glad that 31 years ago, someone took me to a concert. Didn't even want to. The only reason I wanted to go was date some girl. Found myself in a Christian environment where I didn't even like Christian people. God so zeroed in on a message in my life that I knew I needed God in my life. I had been so lost trying to do life on my own. I'm so glad that Jesus doesn't ask questions. He just says, come follow me, receive me. He puts the Holy Spirit in us. We have eternal life. And now we're on our way, man, following God. I'm just so glad God doesn't look for perfect people. If you're here today thinking, you know, I don't know if God can really use me. God, you know the stuff I've done in my life? There is nothing too far that God cannot restore it, use it, reclaim it, and turn it into something good. I just wanted you to know that God loves you right where you are, man. Sincerely, authentically, God loves you right where you are. I want so much for you. Just give me about 27 minutes here because God has put something on my heart about having an unshakable faith that we just saw here a few minutes ago. How many of you want just an unshakable faith? Man, there, there is no time like now. We need faith. We need faith back in the church. We need faith in our family. We need fathers. We need husbands. We need wives, leaders of families to say, we're standing on the rock of Jesus Christ for our family. We're not perfect. We don't have it all together, but we believe that he died and rose again. We believe he's coming again. We believe he takes the imperfect and he can make it perfect. And we're standing with God. Man, we need that now in our nation. Would you agree? I am so glad that you're here on Fall Fest, man. We do this once a year. It's a big thing for all the kids. I'm just so glad that you're here. want you to have just an amazing time in just a few minutes when we're done here. But uh, most of all, man, I just want God to speak to you. So I'm just going to ask you to just believe with me that God can do the impossible, even in this room right now by the power of his word. Amen? Amen. Whatever journey you are on, I do not believe you're here by accident. I don't. God has appointed a time for every single one of us. And whether or not we're just kind of checking it out, maybe just getting back into church or back into God or not really sure about all this stuff, but I know there's, there's got to be something out there. And, and how does it connect with me? Or maybe you're here today, man. I'm on fire. You know what, Mike? I'm on fire for God. Want to keep living for him. I have faith in him. Maybe some of us got a lot of questions. Maybe we're struggling right now. Like that song that we sang, man, I don't see where you're working, God. Are you still here? It seems like you left us, so we lose that sense of, of faith and where maybe we had that passion. I just hope that God takes all of that and brings us back to the main thing, keeping the main thing the main thing. Amen? Amen. When my wife and I um, got married, um, we decided that we weren't going to have kids for a long while. It wasn't that we didn't like kids. It's just that you know we just saw parents and families and stuff, and it just takes a lot I mean, you have to constantly give of yourself. I'll give you an example. I'll sit in a restaurant with my wife and I. We lived in Hawaii, and we're just watching families, and, you know, kids are in high chairs, and two kids are over here, and the parents don't even eat. I mean, they're constantly taking care of kids, and I'm like, that doesn't seem like they're having a lot of fun. So we just kind of, you know, we just kind of think about this for a while. I'm not really sure that's for us. Then we came in contact with uh, some folks in our church that um, we saw their family. They had three kids. They loved God. They took their kids to church. They had a genuine faith. It wasn't just a Sunday thing. They really loved God. And they were teaching their kids, you know, the ways of God and walking with God. And when they would make mistakes, they would just be so humble about it. And we don't know what we're doing. We're trying the best we can kind of attitude. And we just saw them having joy and fun. And we said, 
I think it's time for us to have kids. So we decided to do that. And we're going to have fun doing that, right? Oh, first service really liked that one. Are, are you guys still tired here? So when we had kids, I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you. One of the things that our church, um, we just, I, I really believe in just being real, just loving everybody right where they were, because that's how Jesus does it. And then, um, man, telling truth that we know a God who loves us and we just want to follow him. And the mission is to get every single person to the cross. I just believe that. No one's any better than anybody else in this room. Would you agree? So when we have kids, gosh, I just, we took them to church every Sunday. We, you know, they're in a pastor's home and we want them to love the Lord, but we're not going to, you know, like force them. They have to make their own choice. We're going to raise them to know God, but ultimately it's their choice. They get to decide what they're going to do. And I will be honest with you. I'll just be very real. I didn't grow up in the church. My wife didn't grow up in church. I think I went to church one time in my life because I had to go because I was partying with my friends on Saturday after playing tennis. And so um, they said, well, you have to go to church with us if you spend the night at our house. I said, okay, cool, whatever. I don't care. So that was my only exposure to church, and it really didn't do much for me at that time. I was about 16 years old. So we didn't grow up every day, Sunday school lessons and all that stuff. When my wife and I came to Jesus, it was just like, bam. He saved us, he changed us, and man, I just fell in love with Jesus. So our kids, we were a little afraid of every Sunday going to church and praying at night and Bible studies. That Not, not that that's not wrong, it just I was afraid that that was going to become so familiar for them that Jesus was just kind of another household word. I, I want my boys to love God. I want them to have a passion. I want them to own their own faith. I don't want them to follow Jesus because dad does and mom does. I want them to own their own faith. So we really started praying about that. How do we do this, God? We're doing the best we can. And I really sensed that God was impressing on my heart when they were um, just embarking on the teenagers. God just really impressed me. You got to be able to get your kids out of their comfort zone. Because if you keep them in a safe little bubble, they're not gonna understand the wonder of how amazing God is and God can do anything. We cannot shelter our kids and keep them in a little bubble. We have to let them experience trial and hardship and sometimes testing of their faith and kids who will come along the way and say, we don't believe in God. Why do you believe in God? You go to church and have them wrestle with why do I really believe in God? So we did our best to try and do that. It was about, Michael was 13, my older son, and uh, there was a trip we were putting together here from MVCC to Africa. It was a two-week trip. It was the best thing we ever did. We just went out in faith. We believed God for the money. And so I took my son and I, we went to Africa. Can I tell you that that was the greatest step for him because he had to rely on God. The, the, the unshakable faith that we're talking about, being able to do the right thing, man, when you don't want to do the right thing. Being able to do the right thing when the heart is cold and I don't really think I want to do this, but standing strong, we're going to look at a guy named Noah who has been able to have unshakable faith, not because he was perfect, because he believed in a God who could. When we went to Africa once, the first Sunday that we were there, it's kind of a different culture there. They're not so, um, uh, we have things very structured and orderly and on time. They're very different. They're very kind of just casual with stuff. So we were going to the small little village. It was actually called the slums. 
And it was poverty among poverty. It was so, so sad to see how people were living under small little tents. And we got to the worship place on Sunday where they have church services. It was a tiny building. Maybe you could fit maybe 100 people in there. It was a tin roof. All of a sudden, we got there, and it started to rain. I'm talking about rain that we don't see in Southern California. We have rain here. Everybody freaks out and stops on the freeway. This rain was like pelting rain. Like we were going, are we going to survive this? Loud rain. You couldn't even hear yourself speaking in this little room. These people kept coming and coming and coming to worship God. They started singing like I've never heard in my life. I come from an Italian family. My grandparents were immigrants. So my my dad was really big on passion. You know, it's just kind of how I'm wired. It's son, you do something, you do it with all your heart. 138%. You, whatever you do in life, you do it with passion. These people had passion for God like I've never seen before in my entire life. Rain coming down and they just, they just lifted up their hands. They were singing to God. Now, here's the really cool thing about this. In that moment, I'm like so blown away. These people love God with all their heart and it comes from here. It was so contagious. I just wanted to love God even more. But I saw for the entire two weeks that we were there with these people, I saw an unshakable faith, man. I saw these people. They were genuine, loving, kind. You just knew that God was in these people. It was just a different place. It was a whole different experience. And I remember saying, I want that. I desire that. I'm so thirsty for that. I'm so hungry for that. I don't want just a complacent faith. I don't want a faith that's just Sunday morning. I don't want a faith where I think about God once in a while. God, you're with me all the time. I want you all the time, God, 24-7. Unshakable faith, doing the right thing. The time is now. The time is now for those of us who call ourselves Christian to act like one. Wow, didn't get any amens on that. Okay, I'm, I'm fired up. I'm going to go where I'm going to go. Hopefully you're all coming with me. We just get comfortable. We get complacent. Well, I don't know. You know, it's just, it's not really right for me. I got questions. We just get cooled off and God is saying, no, you must stand strong. You must stand strong on my word. Stand strong on what, who I am. That will never change. World's going to change. Circumstance is always going to change. We change. Our heart changes, but God never changes. So I want to have unshakable faith. Do you? I hope that the needle just moves over a little bit more for you today. By the time you leave this place, we're going to have some Texas barbecue. Kids are going to have fun. Just We're going to hang out, have some community. But man, more than anything else, I want that spiritual needle to move over just a little bit further. Are you with me? So many people are wavering today on the fence. So many people can't take a stand. Man, give, give, me, give me guys. Give me some guys. Just, we're talking about fathers and dads. That just, we're standing for Jesus Christ, man. We're, we're going to teach our kids the Lord. We're going to live it. We're not going to talk about it. Give me some moms, single parent moms, even moms in the home that just, you know, this family, we are living for Jesus. The time is now to have unshakable faith. And when all hell breaks loose in our home, we're not moving. We're not leaving the Lord. We're not leaving church. We're not leaving community. We're not leaving faith. We are going to stand strong. How do we get there? Have you ever had strong faith in Jesus so much that the enemy sent some opposition against you? Some people, you lost your job because of your faith. You got kicked out of a class. You lost some friends. You lost a marriage. Your kids don't want anything to do with you anymore, and you think it's you. It's the enemy. Devil, is that all you got? That's all you got? Because I got a God who's way more powerful than you. Don't even tread on this land over here because you ain't coming in. 
In the power of Jesus, we are four corners of our house. We are anointing that thing with oil. We are believing God is going to protect. And even though the victory can't be seen now, I'm walking from the victory that Jesus already won 2,000 years ago, right? That's God, man. That's God. So the question is, how do we get there? Boy, this sounds like, yeah, I'm with you. I want to do it. But how do we do it? I'm so glad that God gave us some really cool guys in the Bible and women. Back in the Old Testament, man, they just had raw faith. They had unshakable faith. They weren't the most perfect. They didn't have it all together, but they loved God with all their heart. So we're going to look at a guy named Noah. Noah was very intriguing to me. 120 years it took this guy to build the ark. 100 miles from any kind of body of water. And God speaks to him and says, Noah, I need you to build this big boat. It's just, it's, it's an amazing, I don't call it story. It's not a story. It's not a myth. It's not a made up thing. It, it really happened. Which, by the way, if you got a question about that, I, I love that. Here's how I look at this. It sounds a little mythology. It sounds like mythology. It sounds like a story. How in the world could this family build what was probably about the size of the Queen Mary? How in the world could he build this thing and, and, and all the animals and then God flooded the earth and started, it sounds just crazy. But here's the way I look at it. If there's a God, which I believe there is, through careful investigation of whether the Bible is really real, there's some good, good uh, uh, information about credibility of Christianity. If there's a God and he created everything, then how hard would it be for God to do a miracle? Because he owns it all, man. He made it all. So it's not hard for me to believe that if God did create the earth in six days and there were 24-hour days, I know people, oh, are you telling me it was six uh, 24-hour days? It was, you know, 1,000 years per hour. That doesn't matter to me because God's God. He can create the whole world in six days. He can create it in six billion days. I don't, it doesn't matter to me. I know that God made it all. And so God created a guy named Noah for his perfect plan, man. If you have your Bibles, just turn over to Hebrews 11 and want to look at the seventh verse of the 11th chapter. And then we're going to be in Genesis 6. If you don't have your Bible, it's okay. It's going to be on the screen here. If you have your smartphone, you can just download the app, the Holy Bible app. You can down, in fact, download our MVCC app. It has the Bible on there so you can follow along. We just want you to hear God, whatever venue it is. Amen. Hebrews eleven seven says, By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. And by his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. I just want us to notice a couple of quick things here. By faith, Noah, right? His faith unshakable faith, just the way he lived his life. What this does not mean is God does not delight in condemning the world. God didn't want to flood the world because he wanted to get the world back. And God loves vengeance. And he's a hateful, evil God. That's not what he wanted. It broke God's heart. In fact, it says that God was grieved in his heart that he even made mankind because we were so wicked and so disobedient on the earth during that time. But because of the way that Noah lived in faith, it was a testimony to other people we either better get our life right with God or we're out. Does that make sense? It's really, really good when we read the Bible. We've got to read in context. Don't ever isolate verses. Be very careful of people who isolate verses and make up some wacky, weird theology. Send in your $1,000 and God will bless you. Come on. It doesn't say that in the Bible, right? So now we know in, in Hebrews 11 that all these great people, 
Rahab, Noah, Moses, Enoch, all the Elijah, all these great people that had faith in God, man. Put me in a seat where I can have faith with God. I need that. If you've been married for any longer than than a minute, you need faith, man. Right? We need God's help. Someone once said, dude, I'm not accepting Jesus. Jesus is just a crutch. I said, no, he's not. He's a stretcher because I know me. I was flat on my back before I met the Lord. I was so lost. I was on my way. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Jesus. I wouldn't be on this earth. I'm convinced the way I was living my life, I wouldn't have made it. That's a whole nother story, but I'm just so glad that God uses people that are messed up. We're messed up, but God's putting us back together. We want to be a good witness for the world that so desperately needs God's love. Amen? And Noah was that guy. So Genesis chapter 6. Now let's turn over to this account. Genesis chapter 6 verses 9 to 22. Love this account. As you're turning there, I just want to give a little bit, a couple minutes of background to set up where we are in Genesis 6. As you know, Genesis 1, God created the earth. He created the universe. Um, He created Adam and Eve out of the dust of the earth, took a rib from Adam, and now we have Adam and Eve in the garden. By the way, when I was in biology class in high school, I remember watching a a strip, uh, they had a a film, a cartoon thing, on how uh, from the middle of the universe there was an explosion, and then there was out of all these particles, the sun formed, and then all of the planets started forming, and then the amoeba, and then it became a fish, and then it became a lizard, and a bird, and an ape, and a man. I remember watching that going... I don't really care. I guess that sounds fine. Whatever. All I know is I'm here and life is all about me. So I don't care really. Because I wasn't a Christian. I didn't know God at the time. Then when I became Christian, when I gave my life to Christ, I read the Bible. The very first verse in the Bible says God created. I'm like, hey, wait a minute. So there's no cavemen? There's no like all this evolution stuff? There's evolution, micro evolution within a species, but there's no cross. All this stuff that I was starting to learn. I'm like, this is cool. You mean the God of the universe created this then he can create a new heart in me. And that's what he did with Noah. That's what he did with Adam and Eve. You remember the story? Adam and Eve had everything that God offered. It was in this perfect place called the Garden of Eden. God basically says, you guys can have Disneyland for eternity on earth. You're never gonna have to die. You're never gonna have disease. You're gonna have the time of your life. And best of all, you and Eve, you're gonna be naked the whole time. (laughs) And all the men said, right? Wouldn't that be cool? No shame. That'd be awesome. But God loved them so much, he said this. Look, I don't want you to follow me because you have to. I want you to want to. So that's why there's this tree over here of good and evil. God didn't do that to set them up to fail. He just wanted them to have a choice. If you're watching this by internet right now, this place is full of hungry people for God. I hope that you're hungry, and I hope that this is speaking to somebody right now about where we're at in life. When we have a moment that we take that thing off the tree, and we just decide, I know better. God didn't really mean that they surely would die. God really didn't mean that he would take away eternal life on earth, did he? Come on, we've all been there. We've all chosen the evil, haven't we? And so that's what they did. So they hid covered themselves. Oh my gosh, we're naked. What are we going to do now? They're, they're in a mess. God is so faithful. God is so good. He's loving. He's compassionate. He never lets go of Adam and Eve. Long story short is he restores them, the very first sacrifice of an animal, so they could cover themselves with the skin of the animal, the blood sacrifice. It's all imagery that one day God would come down from heaven through Jesus to save us. 
that we all have taken something off the tree that we shouldn't have taken. And, and God doesn't condemn us for that. He says in John 3, 16, 15, Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world, right? Hallelujah. So now, out of all that stuff that God did to save Adam and Eve and fix this problem, over years and years of generations, now the world is really in a mess. They have... Mankind has gotten into so much wickedness and so much sin. I just want you to hear this the way the scripture says it so plainly that God decided he was going to flood the earth and start over again. But the, 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 the Hebrew there, it says that God was grieved in his heart that he made man. He was sorry because he saw all of the sin and disease and problems and wickedness. And nobody, nobody except, watch this now, Noah was the only guy. It was what the Bible calls righteous because he had faith in God. He wasn't perfect. He had faith. And so God did it. He made a decision. He was going to wipe out the face of it. Now it's interesting also, and we'll get to the text. When the ark was built, it was big enough for every single person to get on the ark. God made room for everybody. Just like he does today. God loves everyone. Muslim, Jew, Christian, atheist, agnostic, black, white, rich, poor, yellow, red. Doesn't matter what country, what language, what we've done, what sexual orientation. God loves every single person. And he wants us to come to him by faith. And then he starts this really cool process where he starts to change us. To the likeness of his son. Well, that's where we find, we pick up here in Genesis chapter 6 now. Because God gives a plan to Noah and Noah makes a decision. What we're talking about here is unshakable faith. We're talking about, remember, the title today is doing the right thing. Noah did the right thing, even though I bet you it sounded crazy. God, you're out of your mind. Are you kidding me? You build an ark? There's not even any water around here. It hasn't even rained on earth yet. You're telling me to build this boat in the middle? Of no- I mean, can you imagine? Let's read the text and then we'll jump into it. It's here on the screen for you if you want to follow along. I'm just going to read from my Bible because there's something about sometimes I just like pages. I like to turn the pages of the Bible. I just like it. So I'm going to start up in verse 8. Um, just one verse up from, from chapter 9 because I like it so much. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. That's the president for his whole life right there. And verse 9 says, this is the account of Noah and his family. Notice it says this is the account, not the story, not the made-up thing. This this is what happened. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Heph, and Jephthah. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and it was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Some of your Bibles may say gopher wood. Make room in it uh, and coat it 
with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 feet cubits wide, uh, 30 cubits high, and make a roof for it, leaving below the roof and an opening one cubit high all around. Put a door in the side of the ark and make the lower, middle, and upper decks. I am going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all the life under the heavens. Every creature that has breath and life in it, everything on earth will perish but I will establish, watch this now, my covenant with you. The rainbow, remember God's promise. He's never gonna do this again. You and your sons and your wife and your sons and your wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of every living creature, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, every kind of animal, every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you and be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and them. And Noah, the best verse in all this, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Noah did what was right. I bet you he didn't want to do this. Have you ever had sin sitting in front of you and you really wanted to do it? I mean, it just would be so much fun. And let's face it, some sin is fun. Right? But it's temporary, and there's always consequences. God, God gives us these commands, brothers and sisters, family, because he loves us so much. He doesn't want harm to us. That's why we have rules and laws. God didn't punish us by giving us these guidelines and rules and commands. He wanted us to have the best life possible. And the best life possible is an unshakable faith, trusting God even when I don't want to. So what's the first thing that we can glean out of this? I hope you're taking some notes in the seat back in front of you. There's a nice little card there. You can take some notes. Just helps you to remember some stuff. Man, if I could just grab one thing from God today, and that would be victory, right? Amen? Amen. First thing we see out of this text is Noah walked with God. Noah walked with God. He didn't just say he believed in God. He didn't just, you know, go to a service once in a while, drop a few bucks in the offering plate, kind of tip God, you know, just kind of make sure I'm covered. He walked, walked with God. I, I just want to let that sit here for a second because I don't want us to be, as I was talking about at the beginning of this, to be so familiar that walking with God, oh yeah, yeah, we walk with God. We, we know God. We know That we've lost the awesomeness, the power the reverence, the almighty, powerful God who holds everything together. And I know it doesn't seem like it in the world that we live, but God's still holding this thing together. That's the God I want us to walk with. And at Missionville Christian Church, at the end of the day, man, when this whole place burns up and blows up, at the end of the day, what is the one thing we want people to remember us by? Those people walked with God. They weren't the most perfect When they weren't, they were real about it and honest. They were genuine, like Jesus. Because Noah walked with God, he could obey the commands of God. That's huge for me. The commands that God gives us may seem burdensome. And I'll just be real matter of fact here and just be real truthful with you. I wouldn't be a good pastor if I didn't tell you truth. The reason that sometimes we don't want to do what God tells us to do is because we're not walking with God. So let's just all walk with God. Let's be humble and let's just walk with God. 
So when he says, I want you to build this ark, it's going to take, let's put some of the stats up here. It's really cool how God told him very specifically, this is what I want. God is a God of order and specifics and, and to the minute detail. It's so important that we follow what God is asking us to do. It's a, a one and a half football fields long. Can you imagine this thing? Four stories high, made of gopher wood, cypress wood. Took 120 years to build this thing. Hadn't rained until this point on the earth. 100 miles from any any piece, any, any plot, any body of water at all. And I'm sure that Noah, Mr. Noah had some questions. Okay. What? Who, what, where, when, how, when? How's this going to happen? How am I supposed to do this? Can you feel kind of the tension here with Noah? I'm sure, you know, he's, being, he's human. He's got to have questions. He's got to start and, start and, and, and wonder how in the world... God, is that you? Was that really you, God? You ever had God speak to you something, maybe impress you to do something? I don't know if that was God or not. If it's found in the word, it's God. And that was Noah, man. Can you imagine the people walking by? So Noah, what are you doing? Oh, we're just building a boat. Building a boat? What do you mean you're building a boat? Yeah, we're building a boat. God to- oh, God told you to build a boat. Oh, now we know who you work for. You're nuts. Can you hear it? You know, it's just going on and on and on and on and on. Here, here's what it says here throughout this account of, of Noah. He worked in the day and he witnessed at night. I like that. Again, I came from, you know, Italian family. My, my grandparents were from Sicily. And so, man, immigrants don't mess around with the work thing. You work. You work, you work hard, right? Noah's out there working, tink, 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 hammering. His sons are coming over. They're doing this thing. I just think, I just think, this is just me. I, you know, it's just my opinion in this. I think as Noah's putting this thing together, he's trusting God. He's believing God. It says he followed, but I got to believe there was something in him. What am I doing? Tink, tink, tink. Where is this going? Tink, tink. Where's the water coming from? Remember, he never saw rain. But I think there was a part of Noah on some days that he was like, Lord, I'm trusting you. I believe in you. I'm doing what you told me to do. I hope this thing works. I hope I'm still alive after this. I hope my family makes it. I, I just think that there was something in Noah that there was this human aspect to this thing. God, I'll trust you even though I don't understand this thing. I'll get my kids to church on Sunday. More than that, we'll start living for Jesus now because I believe so much that what you said is truth and I trust you. It's taking time out of our day. It's costing us money. Do you know we could just be watching football at home? I wouldn't have to record it. I wouldn't have to, uh, soccer and all these, we're missing Disneyland. But God will give you something so much greater when you trust him, when you have faith. God fills that void. He fills that gap. And all of a sudden, it starts to rain. It starts to rain. I'll tell you, the saddest part of this account is that Noah and his family were the only ones that got on. Man, I tell you what, my heart breaks. Friends that I have, family still, some still family members that are just, they're just lost. And I remember being, I remember just being that way. It was just, you know, my own pride and Got to just do it my way. I don't ever want to become so cold and callous to that, that I lose my sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. You know, when Jesus stood over Jerusalem, days before he was crucified, the Bible tells us he literally cried that the Lord shed tears because he saw the people helpless without a shepherd. 
And look at our world, man. Everything going on with COVID, drug addiction, problems, violence, domestic violence has gone up, crime has gone up, all these things that are happening. And we don't ever want to minimize the bad things that are happening, but these are lost people. You and I have the greatest message that is life-changing, not just for eternity, but for here now. That's why I love his example. He worked in the day and he witnessed at night. It was a short sermon. It's going to rain. Get on the boat. I'm kind of a simple guy. I like bullet points. I just, just tell me how it is. I don't need you to candy coat it for me. I don't want to tell cute stories here. I just want to give truth, truth, and love, but I want you to have something of substance to grab onto. I think that's where Noah was as he walked through the streets of these villages. Not one person, think about this, man. Not one person got on the boat. Not one person believed him. Now, according to worldly standards, he would have been a failure, but he wasn't. He did what God told him to do. He left the results up to God. He had faith in his God. Unshakable faith. Faith that says, I'll do what you told me to do, even though I don't understand it and I don't really like it. I want to keep going back to this thing. Why? Why would he do it? Why would Noah keep obeying 120 years? Because he knew the grace of God. When God touches your life, and nobody can take that from you. Nobody can take Jesus from you. No one can take the Holy Spirit out of your life. Once you've had an experience with God, you want to tell people it's natural. He knew the grace of God. That's why he did the right thing. So just put some quick things up here. I I like help that's helpful help. You ever had help? You go, gee, that wasn't very helpful. I want to give you some helpful help. How do we walk with God? It's really simple. By faith, first of all. If you're here today, you know what, Mike? I'm not really walking with God. I'd like to, but I'm not really walking with God. You can put your faith in Jesus today, right now. Eternity can change for you right now. You can step into heaven, have the security of knowing, number one, where you're going, and God is now with you all the days of your life on earth. It's simply putting faith in him. Once you have faith in Christ, now it's a choosing of fellowship with God daily. Contrary to popular belief, some people think pastors, those of us who serve in the church and just shepherd you and disciple you and love you and want to keep pushing you to keep following Jesus. And I know sometimes you don't like us very much, but we're always saying, come on, read your Bibles, get into a life group, serve God. Come on, come on. It's because our job is to help you as we are doing, trying to do the same thing, fellowship with God every day. Every day. So I need reminders. Again, I'm a little ADD in life. I got a lot going on. You know, I got a family. I got a wife. You know, I got a mortgage payment. We church and work and just life in general. I like going to angels games. I like playing tennis. I got a lot going on. So I need something like this. It's, it's just a prayer journal. I just went down to the bookstore, picked out a blank journal, and it's my prayer journal. And so every day I just write down some stuff. God, this is, this is what I'm battling with today. It doesn't have to be, oh, Lord God. Thouest that thou madest over the heaveneth, please bless my day. Come on. That'd be like my son coming into the room and saying, Oh, dadeth who loveth meeth, will you give me the keys to the careth? What are you talking about, man? Just ask me for the keys. Just be real, right? Just, just be real. And I want to encourage you to start something, even if it's a couple minutes every day, man, before you start your day, with God. Daily determine what you will do with him. Say, God, let's go to the mountains today, God. I'm going into Big Bear. I'm going to stay overnight. Got to 
you know, rent a cabin. I'm just, Lord, I'm taking you to the mountains today. God, I'm taking you to Starbucks. I'm taking you, Lord, on the tennis court. I, I just, here we go. Because I think that God is not found in just nine and a half minutes in the morning. That's good. We need to have some daily time with God. Uninterrupted time with God. But I want to encourage you, talk to God all the time. I talk to God when I'm on the tennis court. Sometimes. Sometimes I'm embarrassed because I'll let out a bowling word, a swear word. But I mean, I'm trying to, I, God, in the name of Jesus, I want to kill this guy. Boom. No. I'm, Lord, help me to serve well here. I love this guy. I want him to come to the Lord. Lord, help me to do well. I want to beat this guy. I'm talking to God. Holy Spirit, I need to first serve right here. I want to talk to God. Remember in Genesis, he walked in the cool of the day with Adam. Noah walked with God, not just on Sundays. He walked with God every day. Isn't it exciting to know, man, we have a God that walks with us daily. When you got a problem, tell him about it. Use this. God wants to hear. Isn't it great, those of you that have kids or grandkids, or maybe some of you, you know, want to get married and have kids? Just give it some time. But just when you do that, you want your kids to be just brutally honest. Dad, I'm struggling with this. I love it when my kids do that. Dad, I'm having a problem. Can you help me? I don't want him to pretend. Stop pretending, right? Right? Okay. Last one is confide in him your deepest thoughts. Yeah, just tell God. Just tell him, man. Tell him where your heart is. I'm going to encourage you to have conversations with God. Talk to him. Tell him what's bugging you. Tell him what, you know, I'm having really, I'm having a hard time believing some of this stuff. Will you help me, God? Do you remember the guy that Jesus was with? He did the healing and the man of the son who got healed, he said, Help me in my unbelief. He just did a miracle and he's still having trouble believing. Tell God, I know I'm having trouble with faith here, Lord. My wife about 10 years ago lost her best friend, one of her best friends, this cancer that came and like four days later, she was gone, passed. She was a full on Christian. She loved the Lord. We know we're gonna see her again. I will tell you that my wife had what she called a faith crisis. Pastor's wives can't have a faith crisis. Really? I thought we were all human. I thought we were broken. She just had a faith crisis. Can I tell you that my wife is one of the most strongest faith-believing people in God that I've ever seen? And it's because God took her through the crisis that she's so desperate for God and knows that she'll never leave Jesus. Amen. All right, so let's move on here. We got to get through this because we got Texas barbecue. You know what's really cool is listening to God is so much fun. I give a scripture here, Psalm 5, verse 3. If you're taking some notes, Psalm 5, verse 3. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you, and I wait expectantly, waiting on you, God. You're going to do something, God, today. You're going to do something. I just want to be involved in it, God. Help me to walk in the stream of where you are. Jeremiah 33, 3, another good one. Call to me, and I will answer you. Watch this. I will answer. It might not always be what we want, but he will answer, Right? and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. That's good. God is so good. I just think listening to God comes with familiarity. I'm still learning how to listen to the voice of God. Still trying to, to do this thing right. So I'm with you in this. So we do this together? MVCC, amen, right? Number two is this. Noah refused the cultural norm. Noah refused to be culturally relevant. We gotta be more relevant. We gotta become one of them. I understand we have to be, you know, mix with people and just be real. That's not what I'm talking about. He didn't do the things that everybody else was doing. Therefore, it caught God's attention. Isn't it cool to know that Mary became, you know, the mother of God? Jesus was, you know, the Holy Spirit impregnated her. She had Jesus for nine months in her womb. She's carrying the son of God. Why did God choose her? 
faith. And she was living her faith. You know what I want, man? I want, I want God to, to notice you. He sees you. He's, he's with you. He's, he'll never leave you, never forsake you. But I want God to see you. I want him to choose you. To, I see this one's faith. I see this one serious about following me. And he's not or she's not so consumed with, got to follow the world, got to make more money, got to have more things. And that consuming your life. Life is all about me. It's all about me. It's all about what I want. It's all about, I used to live that way. I know I still struggle with some of that. God doesn't want us to live that way. Why? Most miserable people that live, live for themselves. And I don't mean that judgmentally. I just, I remember living like that. I was miserable. The most happy, joyful people are living for somebody else because Jesus Christ teaches us to get out of ourselves, and he takes care of us. That was Noah. Noah was the man. So he made a decision to say no to the world system. The world system will squeeze you. It'll stick you in a vice. It'll tell you what to believe. It'll tell you how to live. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything in the world. We need people, young people, kids, teenagers to stand up and say, I have faith in Jesus Christ. I believe. I have faith in him. I don't understand everything, but I have faith in Jesus. I have faith in the word and I'm going to keep following God. Ezekiel 22, 30, another really good verse, if you're taking some notes, says this. I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall. This is to the prophet. Stand before me in the gap on behalf of the lamb so that I would not have to destroy it. But I, saddest verse in all the Bible, I found no one. I found no one. God's looking at you right now and he's saying, get up, get up, get up. Oh, put your faith in me. I want you to stand in the gap for your spouse. I want you to stand in the gap for your children. I want you to stand in the gap for your neighborhood. I want you to stand in the gap people you work with. I will help you. I'll give you everything you need. You won't even know what to say. I'll put words in your mouth. You just read my words and I'll give you the word. Which leads to number three. And then we're almost done here. Noah received God's righteousness. He was faithful because he received he wasn't, he wasn't righteous because he did everything right. He was righteous because he received the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You know what that does for a marriage? That completely changes the landscape of your entire marriage. Because now you're married to someone who's the righteousness of God. Jesus poured his righteousness into your wife. Now you love her. You honor her. You're protecting her. You care about her. You want to know her hopes, her dreams. You want to know about her life. What, what are the things that really go on inside the ticker of her heart? You want to know those things because she is the bride of Christ. And you honor your husband. You love him. You respect him. Because God is in that guy. Is he always righteous? No. But he has the righteousness of God, and he's trying. That was Noah. Noah received God's righteousness. This whole Noah and the ark account, remember, we're not, long, we're, not long, we're not calling it a story. It's an account, right? It really happened. Scientists have already determined that at one point the whole earth was underwater. We know that. Even atheist scientists know that. Over, over 270 language groups, tribes of people, took Noah's Ark, even though they didn't read the Bible, the story got passed on for people who did believe Noah's Ark, and even tribes among the world all over the globe believe that there was a man who heard from God, built a boat, it rained, and God survived and saved his whole family. That has been passed down again and again. In Mount 
uh, in Turkey. And Mount, uh, there's actually photos. If you Google this, there's an actual place they believe it might be Noah's Ark that's embedded in the mountain. They can't get to it because of its difficulty, but also for political reasons, they can't get to it. But they think it might be. It's the dimensions that seem to be in there. It's just fascinating stuff. This happened. That whole picture is a picture of the new deal that God made with us. And the new deal is that God came down from heaven through his way so that we could get to God. Isn't it comforting to know that we don't have to work to get to God? You do not have to do good things to get God. He already got you. He has you. He just wants you to say yes and step into relationship with him like Noah did. So the ark there is a beautiful picture of Jesus and the cross. There's safety with Jesus. In the water, it's a beautiful picture of when we receive Christ and we get baptized, man, we go down into that water, we are transformed, man. There's new life. God restored the earth. He promised and did what he said he was gonna do. And the same thing, God has promises for you. You will be in heaven with him. You will live this life the way he wants you to have joy, happiness, peace, all those things. When we go down into the water and we come up out of the water, it's a picture of Christ's death and resurrection. We are new people in Jesus now. Man, I'm so glad I'm forgiven. I don't know about the rest of us. I'm glad I'm forgiven because I know who I am. Right? There's one door on the ark. One door. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6. Jesus says, I am the door. Jesus said, I am the gate. Now, the kind of gate he was talking about in biblical days was a shepherd's uh, uh, fortress that literally the shepherd would lay himself down as the gate. He is the gate which means he sacrificed his life so you could have eternal life and live. Will you say yes to him? I want you to say yes to Jesus, man. I want every single one of us here to know. I don't want anyone leaving here today. That's the, I mean, you, you make your own decision, but my heart is I don't want anyone to leave here without knowing, man, I got God now. I know I'm gonna go to heaven because the gospel, he died, he rose again. I've received him. I asked for forgiveness. He forgave me. And now I have the Lord and I'm going to live for him all the days of my life. Now I'm ready to walk unshakable faith, doing the right thing. Amen? Amen? God, I thank you so much that you are faithful, even when we aren't. Thank you, God, that you always be the God that you promised, God, that you would be. And I know in a room this size with all of us, there are your people, God, with hurt and pain and difficulties and just a lot going on that God it's so hard I just want to say thank you God that you promised us you are the overcomer you have already won the victory you said that Lord and we are so thankful that you said that I pray for anybody here today that just feels lost you know what Mike I don't know if I was to end up at the ER tonight and leave this earth? I don't know. I, I, I want to go to heaven. I'd like to think, but I don't really know for sure. If that's you today, just every head is bowed, every eye is closed. John wrote, I have written these things that you may know you have received eternal life. John also wrote, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, for those who have faith in his name, 
that he gave the right to be sons and daughters of God. So if that's you right now, I just want to ask you to pray inside of your own heart, just along with me. Lord Jesus, I give you my heart. I surrender my life. God, forgive me of some of the things I've done that I just, I blew it. I'm sorry. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for dying on the cross and rising again that covered all my sin. I believe that. And I receive you now. I commit my life to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here, and we'll see you next time.